friends, to another B-Movie Chat. Today's topic is practical effects versus CGI effects. What are the positive and negatives of each style? When should one be used instead of the other? Which effect style we personally prefer? And is blood ever supposed to be CGI? The answer to that one is fucking no. But joining us to debate the other questions are Aaron Wolf of Howling Wolf Productions and Manny Serrano of Massgrave Pictures. Guys, welcome to the show. What up? Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining. It's good to have you guys on again. Yeah, good to be back again. Yeah, thanks. Nice to meet you, Manny. And uh, thank you. We're having this conversation about uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of disgusting shit. All right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, first off, I mean, I, I just want to say I I always prefer practical effects. Mm-hmm. Paul, um, I definitely appreciate practical effects, but there are times when you. Like when practical effects really can't work if it's a really large-scale project. So, but at the same point, I feel CGI should never be overused. Like it should never be the only means of doing anything. Aaron, yeah, the I can't. I'm so tired of digital. I think digital is great to enhance something, and it's something that we didn't have the luxury of like before I was born. But now that we have the uh, the luxury, it's great to enhance, but it sh- once it becomes reliant on, I think it ruins stuff. I think that we're we're so used to it, uh, we're so used to being able to kind of do anything that then it it stops the creative process from like running its course and us when we're on set actually making some interesting decisions based around what we have in front of us. Dying from just because you can doesn't true. So check it out. My uh, my editor just uh, chimed in, and because he's here, we're uh, we're editing as we speak, and he just said a great uh, quote from someone that he went to uh, AFI film school with. Just because you can do- doesn't mean you should, and I think that is completely the definition of CGI. Just because you can doesn't mean you should, because you can do anything, but that doesn't mean you're making something better. Isn't that a quote of? Uh, isn't that a quote from Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park, a movie that's totally relying on CG? Um, <laughs> mostly relying on CG. Mostly relying on CG, of course. Yeah. Which actually, it has some of the best CG in in, in my memory. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely does. Twenty five years later, it still beats out damn near everything that you've ever seen. Oh, yeah. and, and I find that to be a, a tragedy that that there, that nothing has topped it since then. As amazing as it is, it's been 25 years. How has nothing been that good since? I don't know. There's well, always Corey's favorite movie, Avatar. Well, I mean, when when you look at Jurassic Park, they they have a wonderful blend of scenery and the color palette that they use for the dinosaurs works to the advantage to blend it in and make it seem more realistic. Also, the fact that they do have some animatronic dinosaurs, so that they did blend things very well. It, you make a I great make a point. Big this theory is, on that. Who's talking? That's, that's okay. Go ahead. Oh, I just was saying that just because you can does, doesn't mean you should applies to Jurassic Park because at the time when Jurassic Park came out, they didn't have a lot of cans. They were doing stuff for the very first time. They didn't know what was going to work because they were never they'd never done stuff with computers like that. So that wasn't, they didn't have an endless uh, supply of uh, 
of things that they could do. They were working within the limitations of what's going to work, what would work in light, what would work in dark, where are we going to need an animatronic, because it was all new. Now it was, and it's ironic that that is better than most, just like Jaws. Jaws is better than most other horror, thriller, scary movies because of the limitations they had. And yeah. Well, you know, a big part of it is is what you just said about uh, Jurassic Park and the colors that they used. A uh, really big part of making CG look good is having good colors. And ever since Michael Bay took over, uh, nothing has had natural colors anymore. Ever since he started doing all the horror remakes in the early 2000s, everything goes super orange or super blue or super cyan and magenta. You know, you get those really unnatural colors. And if you're going to make the whole movie look unnatural to begin with, then you're going to add something into the screen, into the frame that wasn't naturally there already, then you're 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 really stretching the audience's ability to uh, 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 you're stretching their 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 suspension of disbelief because now they're looking at something that wasn't in the frame with colors that shouldn't be in the frame, and it's like you just look at it and say this does this looks like a cartoon now because it doesn't look natural to begin with. Now we're going to throw CG characters who are not natural. At least with with like something like Jurassic Park. Uh, and even the original Independence Day, uh, they had natural-looking colors to the film itself. So everything that they put into it had a natural palette to base itself off of and to match. And I think that's what made them look so amazing. And bringing up Jurassic Park, I mean, bringing up Michael Bay is funny, too, because, yeah, he, you know you know who's uh, who said, they, there's a quote, someone said, Michael Bay is truly awesome. You know who said that? Michael, Michael Bay. Bay. Michael Bay. Boom! Exactly. <laughs> and uh, otherwise, yeah, it just it's like taking the limitations, taking the cans, and just going running wild with them because you can. When even Michael Bay, his best stuff, his only good stuff, in my opinion, was when he had some limitations, like The Rock, where um, he he didn't have the fantastic Nicolas Cage movie, by the way. Great Age, great Sean Connery, only good Michael Bay. Like, there's were the only there's reasons why. Effects in that movie were the uh, were like the melting faces. Mm-hmm. That and and they had to do more practical, and he had to use a real place and build a story and build his his uh, the stuff he's good at, which is action scenes oh, around an up. story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Let's blow shit up. Blow shit up. Blow shit up. Oh man, yeah, I worked for him, and and then and he got he, to you know. Uh, mangle the Transformers you know series and again it's it's one of those movies where it could have been done in a realistic way if they would have used more natural colors but they chose colors that were so super bright and then they also had like the Autobots lips moving like their little metallic mechanical lips it was just like oh, that was that was ridiculous such but even before then he had he had started doing that with the Platinum Dunes remakes you know, with the Texas Chainsaws, and, and, and when he redid Texas Chainsaw, and they redid all those old horror movies, even before 
Tex, uh, uh, even before Transformers got big, they were changing the color palette back then, and they weren't using too much CG in a lot of, in, in in the first you know two of them or so. Like the Texas Chainsaw really didn't have too many other than like the gunshots, which looked terrible because the color palette was all rusty and brown rather than that natural sun orange, that natural Texas sun look. It had this really bad, oversaturated contrast, high contrast look. So when you got those, the gunshot in the chest and, and all that, it just looked really bad. Now speaking, it didn't look natural. CGI and gunshots, I love the Die Hard series. And as, as mm-hmm. hard as it is, Live for Your Die Hard, which was the first PG-13 Die Hard movie, was actually like, is actually my second favorite, second to the first one. And there's That's a PG- the, uh, the Cyberplay version one? Uh, yeah. The, it, there's a PG-13 one, and there's an unrated version. And how they made mm-hmm. the unrated version unrated was every time people got shot where there was, like, no blood in the PG-13 version, they just, like, sprayed CGI blood all over the place. And then, like, Aww. there would be, like, lines that would get finished on screen, and it would, like, change camera angles. And then all of a sudden, like, you would hear Bruce Willis going, fuck, or shit, or fuck off. And it's, like... It was one of those very few movies where I prefer the PG-13 version to the unrated because they just saturated it with After Effects, whether it be audio input or the fucking CGI blood. Yeah, I really don't think CGI blood can ever look good. I've seen like some movies where I'm like, hey, this is pretty good. Then I see CGI blood. I'm like, and now it looks like crap. Like, just, just use, uh-huh. like, use fake blood. Like, at least I, I can't think of any situations I've seen it done well, but I've seen a lot where it's been used very poorly. You uh, bring up Die Hard 3, which is just funny because one of the stars of that is one of the stars of our movie, Tar, uh, Graham Greene. And do you guys want to hear a funny story he told me about making that movie? You mean, you mean Die Hard sure. with a Vengeance? Dry Hard with a Vengeance, yeah, the third one. Okay, I just was, was making sure. Yeah, the one, uh, so they were filming that uh, when they were filming Batman, one of the Batmans, one of the, like, older Batmans. I think it was Batman. And, uh, I think, yeah, oh. they were filming it down in Wall Street um, at the exact same time, and he said, so they're filming the Die Hard scene, and a few times they'd mess up, a lot of times they'd mess up because the walkies would uh, overlap. So they'd get a direction from the Batman crew of what to do. So it'd be like, bring the Batmobile to whatever. And they'd be like, Batmobile, what? Should we bring like a car? So that they'd mess up and do things completely wrong because they were getting orders from the Batman movie to do something in the Die Hard movie. And he said it was uh, a bit of a, a clusterfuck, but obviously, obviously the, uh, the, the Die Hard with a Vengeance turned out well. Especially the first half. The first half of that movie is all is really awesome. Now I kind of hope that if you look really closely, you can see the Batmobile in Die Hard Three. That would be amazing. Yeah. There's apparently real over like it's one street apart, completely different movies, and they I'd were like filming at the exact same time. I'd like to see Batman walking around with Bruce Willis's sign on the chest. <laughs> oh, see you messing me now. <laughs> Speaking of that, did you see the uh, they're, they're making a remake of Death Wish, uh, the old Charles Brosnan movie starring Bruce Willis, uh, uh, yeah, as, as Charles Brosnan just going around, you know, revenging, and um, I just can't help but but think, are they going to use real blood? Like not real blood, obviously. Well, maybe, um, but you know, 
like a, a fake oh, you know what? It's using like, CGI. Because it seems it's like Eli so Roth action movies rely on the CGI both. anymore. It's Eli Roth. He's probably going to have a good mix of both. Unfortunately, the, the CG may end up being more. I didn't realize but, it was going to be Eli Roth. That means there's going to be like one scene with like the whole budget spent, and then the rest of the movie is just going to be shit. Fucking green. Yeah, and I mean, the movie's done already. The movie's done already. It's coming out in like another month or two. It's done. Oh, really? Yes, it's Eli Roth. Uh, yeah, there's even a trailer for it and everything. It's Yeah, I've seen the trailer. I, I just didn't realize it was Eli Roth. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he directed or produced, but it is an Eli Roth film. He needs, he needs to I'm using the to Google now to find out. Beating up Nazis with baseball. He bats. directed it. Okay. I feel yeah. like in general it's yeah. really hard to use CGI in horror films because horror is supposed to... It's really important for the environment to look realistic, otherwise it's not scary. Whereas with like sci-fi, you know, if it doesn't look completely realistic, it can kind of pass, but... I think that's one of the yeah. things with horror where it's a lot, it's, everything's integral to the, um, the environment's very integral. And to draw a direct comparison, take a look at the, the Tremors series. You have the first movie with the oh, yeah. voids. Wonderful, beautiful, practical effect puppets. Then the second yeah. movie, you have the, the Shriekers. And then in the third movie, you have the Ass Blasters, which are the third form. And the Ass Blasters are done in CG. And, you know, it just... It, it looks god awful. Like I have, I haven't seen that yet. But you know, it's another. Like, they're up to five movies, and there's a, a 13 episode TV series that, that and stars Christopher for Lloyd. Do you want to know a uh, inside scoop? Uh, I, I uh, hate to be doing these uh, these little side stories, but I had <laughs> I'm friends with uh, Michael Gross, and I had dinner with him last week, and he just got done doing uh, ADR work for Tremor Six. Yes. Which is coming out, I guess, in the fall, later in the fall. Beautiful. So it's him and him and Jamie Kennedy did five oh. and doing six <laughs> well. Except he's so this might be. I'm not. I might not. I'm maybe not allowed to say this, but whatever. Uh, it's apparently some of some of it is set in Antarctica. <laughs> Interesting. That's amazing. Like I do. I, lo- so I love they, all the Tremors stuff. Like it's one of my favorite series of movies. But have you ever seen Tremors in Ice? <laughs> I guess uh, we will. Uh, now you're about to. Yeah, I don't think they've ever froze any of them. I was trying to think back to the, the TV series, but, uh, but no. Well, yeah, it's doing it's another crazy. TV series with, uh, with Kevin. Kevin Bacon says he, he's interested. They want to do uh, like a, a TV or a Netflix series for it. They, they had a, a Sci-Fi Channel original TV series, which oddly enough, uh, when Tremors was on Sci-Fi Channel, it was the uh, the highest. It had the highest ratings of any show that they had running at the time, but for some reason, they they cut it. They they canceled it after one season. Of course they did. So I think I think it's Michael. those bastards. Yeah, Michael's gone on record, so I don't think it's uh, saying something that's not supposed to be said. That they messed it up because I, I think, think they aired it out of order too. They aired it out of order, and I think they took him off some of the show because they made another movie while they were doing the show. So they had people doing two things at once. It, it, so it got all messed up. They were like trying to do too much at once, having like one character be doing a TV show and Tremors probably was like Tremors four or three. It would have been four back to perfection at that point. Or yeah. So it was that while doing the TV show. So he actually, he's got publicly and told me that they screwed it up. They like just were trying to do too much, trying to, 
make too much money off of one thing that was popular and they ended up shocker universal uh, screwed it up uh, no way universal screwing something up how could they screw something <laughs> up they you know they made the mummy with uh, with tom cruise oh wait yeah Okay. That's uh, did, they, did they can see, the whole dark universe because of that, or are they still going to go uh, forward with it? They put too much money into it. They're going to keep going. I don't yeah. know what they'll do with it. it it's doing well internationally. So, what's that? Sorry, I didn't hear you, Manny. It, it did well internationally. Oh, well, that's oh yeah, and that's gonna that's gonna drive them for 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 a while. So they want to do Bride of Frankenstein next, but which like, they're they're putting like two be cool. or three years between the movies. Like it's yeah. There, I think I think Brad Frankenstein is set for like March of 2019 or something. Like, you know, it's worth it. It's it's not like the Marvel Marvel Cinematic Universe where they're putting out like two Another or three movies, movie. two or three movies a yep. year. It's like one movie yeah, every three years. I actually just looked, man. You're right. The the uh, tr- uh, Mummy, the new one, made close to 500 million dollars worldwide. Shit. Not, wow. not, not not didn't do well here. But it's still making money overseas, so yeah. um, they're definitely going to make more if they got half a million bucks. Out I don't of that. know when you when you cast Johnny Depp as your Invisible Man. I'm I'm a little skeptical about how the uh, the whole universe is going to go. At least I we don't know. have to see his face. I like that idea. I mean, I, 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 just, I just imagine Tim Burton is going to take over the universe at one point. Like, God, as long as Tim Burton doesn't fucking do it, Jesus Christ. I need more blue movies and big cats. Fuck. <laughs> the, the, the Invisible Man is just going to, like, uh, spy on Helena Bonham Carter in the shower all movie. Like, that's that's going to be, that's gonna be the whole movie. song halfway through. Yeah, I'm also tired of Tim Burton with the – it's like uh, – it's a shtick that's gotten old, and then he's ruined a lot of movies. Or like, like once he did the Charlie and Chocolate Factory thing and completely botched it. Yeah, uh, that's it was, movie. Like, take a look at the original. The original like, is so it, much. Better. The original is fantastic, and then you know Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Between the use of of CGI and fucking copy and paste for the Oompa Loompas, it just it just drives it into shit dumb. Like, no matter how many midget, midgets didn't get work because of that that movie, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I mean, but yeah, like, the Davis would have been all over it. <laughs> <laughs> like just such the, a wonderful uh, set building in the original, and oh, yeah. and everything just Original's looks like, so fake in the new one. Yeah, there's where you're talking with this whole concept of CGI versus practical. That's not horror, but to me, the part of the charm of Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory with Gene Wilder is that it's practical, even though the effects are cheesy. And like when she blows up and becomes a big purple grape or gobstopper, it's not as good an effect as in the new Charlie and the 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 one with Johnny Depp. But it's way better. It it it, it, you, it feels more. I was even say, it, it feels more believable to me. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, because because it's like this guy built this stuff in this uh, uh, factory, so it's like yeah. it's got to be. So even if something's a little tinkery and that's a little weird, it doesn't look perfect. It's okay because it was still physically built, as compared to the the, the Doctor Who version of the elevator that just flies all over the all over the world, wherever the hell it wants to, and and and, and it doesn't look. You know, it's just it's people in a glass box floating over a CG shitty London. The only thing uh, I, yeah. I must say they did do correct is I, at least this is what I read that the squirrels used in the um or at least one of the squirrels used in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was actually like a real life squirrel they trained to do whatever needed to be done on screen. 
Like Yeah, and then they animated his face. Then <laughs> <laughs> they went and ruined that. <laughs> so, yeah, so like happy. it looked I mean, I, I, really cool I, I was trying to give them credit, and then, then no, no, <laughs> fuck it, it's, it's, no. it's, they're not getting any credit, they don't deserve yeah, it. Yeah, like, you could have been really cool by having this squirrel actually doing everything, and that's awesome, and then you animate his face, and you make it smile, and you make it wink, and, and, and it's like, alright, well, now you killed it. Now it looks like a cartoon again. It's like that, that, yeah. uh, that commercial with the baby, like, trading stocks online. Like, oh, look, a cute baby doing shit, and, ah, oh, what the fuck is wrong with its face? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there. That's where, like, I, I really think that the Willy Wonka versus Charlie versus the Tim Burton version is like the perfect example of how you uh, you can have more and get less out of all of this CGI stuff, and uh, and it also feels less immediate. Like uh, the Planet of the Apes, the new ones really have done a good job of yes. making the CGI work and making it feel like it was warranted and it added something, but that's a rarity these days. Most of the times, and I call them noise movies, most of the times it's just adding noise to the screen as opposed to visual noise, as opposed to, uh, as opposed to storytelling. If it's conducive to the story and the digital can help the story, great. If it just adds noise, I'd rather have practical because it's really there and then you're adding story and it's real and it feels real. And that's, uh, that's one of the yeah, things, that's... like, when you look at the evolution of the Matrix movies, like, uh, the first movie used CGI in a really, like, neat way. Plus, it was, like, newer then. It was, like, now we've seen so much, yeah. and, like, and it's then impossible you... to impress. Oh, and then you get the, the second movie, time. and it's, like, they just, like, throw CGI all over the place, and you're, like, okay, like, that's kind of cool. And then you get to the third movie, and you get to the fight between, like, Neo and the, like, 7,000 Agent Smiths. And, like, it just goes from being this, like, action, action-y action movie to... Hey, look! There's some computer things fighting on the screen. Like it's just so blatantly obvious that it's computer generated, and even like like uh, Captain America: Civil War when I was watching the fight scene between all the superheroes, and then like Spider-Man just like flops in everywhere, and it's like he's fucking CGI. Like like he looks like shit. Yeah. He doesn't fit in with everything else that's going on. He's too bright. He's too shiny. He's too slimy looking. What is he? Fucking slug man producing slime everywhere? No, he's Spider Man. He's supposed to be fucking hairy with six arms. Oh wait, that's Man Spider. Never mind. You know, so meanwhile, you have people like Chris Nolan who does ninety-five percent of everything in camera. You know, he builds everything that you see is built. It's a set. It's all there, and CG is just meant to enhance. Exactly. Like, even the the bookcase in Interstellar was a set. That was a set. That entire ending was a set that they built and they used CG to make it look bigger and to, to, to give it that eternal effect. But that was a fucking set that they built. You know? Oh, yeah. Like, Christopher Nolan's a great example insane. of that. He knows how to, like, balance the two out and he's... He knows what he what he wants how it, how he wants it to look, and he knows exactly how to how to get that vision. And he's that's why he's like one of the best directors out there right now. And there's he is. yeah, he's uh, he's cool. He uh, the, and James Cameron's interesting in that same vein because I think. Wait, did you say you liked Avatar? Avatar's was, the fucking worst movie ever. Sarcastic. That's Corey's <laughs> okay. least favorite movie. James Cameron has fuck you money, though. That's what it yeah. is. But James Cameron has fuck you money, all right? Yeah. You don't want to pay for it, fuck you, I will, you know, okay? James Cameron makes wonderful, <laughs> awesome, beautiful, fantastical sequels, I mean, but his original shit is shit. Hey, the, hey, the Terminator was amazing. 
He did Terminator Look, the 2. No, he did Terminator 2 and he did Aliens. Who did two it? of the best sequels no, I knew, I ever. I did Aliens because um, Riddle Scott did the first one. Um, let me, I'll, I'll, I'll check on who did Piranha. Terminator. He also did Piranha 2. <laughs> did he do Piranha 3D? No, no, the original Piranha 2 is James Cameron. I didn't know that. That's that's pretty cool. I believe so. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. It but was- James Cameron, when he had limitations, like when he did T2, that was all new effects. So they were doing the, they were doing all that awesome morphing and stuff, but it was like they were barely figuring out how the heck to do it. And it worked a lot better to me than Avatar because Avatar, he had too much to work with. So his the storytelling was so loosey-goosey. It was just Fern Gully or one of these, like, nature. Yeah. It was, it was like... In space. Oh, James Cameron was the original Terminator. Ha, I told you. I told you. Ha. Okay. He didn't do... Uh, he did only Aliens, not... Yeah, uh, yeah Aliens. Ridley Scott yeah. did the first one, I believe, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, is it, unless... Yeah. It's, or is it reversed? It might be that. One and one. Uh, yeah, it's weird. It's weird how, like, all of it... It works like that with so many things. Like... I think we should like it should be like a banned substance CG. <laughs> it's like a drug you need to get you know, like you take too much of it you get addicted. It's, it's, like, it's like when you, you have, it's like when you go hunting you need to have like so much percent of your clothing needs to be orange. Like only it, there should be a limit. Only so much percent of your movie or so much percent of what's on screen should be CG. Like yeah, like you have to get yeah. it. You have to have like a a what a, a blood movie content a BMC of. Like, this is the amount, you were saying blood, of this is how much you're allowed to have uh-huh. in your movie system. <laughs> no more than 10% of your film. <laughs> you, you're allowed yeah. to have 10, like, you're allowed to have three pints of CGI blood in your movie. All I can think yeah. of is Michael Bay at, like, a bar be like, I, 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 need, I need one more um, one more hit of CGI. It's like, a, sir, I think, you, I think you need to be cut off. I'll tell you when I need to be cut off. Explosions. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's, like the, what's like the Academy standard? What's the Academy standard for what is considered an animated movie? Like, who's, who framed Roger Rabbit? Is that an is that technically an animated movie? You know, what's the percentage based on? And that maybe that's how you should grade it. Like, uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit is considered a live-action movie because, what, it has maybe less than 50% of it is animated. But let's just for argument's sake. So let's say if more than 30% of your film is CG, it's no longer live-action. It's a CG feature. Yeah, that's a good point. And bringing up something like that. Yeah. Who Framed Roger Rabbit is so... So, like, talk about an example of a movie nailing it and nailing yep. the uh, the whole uh, the whole idea of combining things and doing the most of what they could with what they had. Like that movie, have you heard, like the making of that movie is oh my god as more interesting than the movie, even though the movie is, is. unbelievable. Because <laughs> how they did it and the fact that Charlie Fleischer was dressed up as a uh, as the rabbit on stage with mm-hmm. like a like a rabbit costume to do it. And then they, they basically did two movies. They made the movie twice once with all the animation. And then once with all the live action, everyone had to be there for everything. It was, it was, that's, that's a home run right there. And that movie, uh, yeah, it's too bad that they haven't made another. Well, uh, they're actually making oh, a remake. They oh, they're re- yeah, they're remaking it next year, unfortunately. <laughs> I think it's next year or 2019. Is, is it directed by Michael Bay? Probably. <laughs> 
Well, the thing with um, with um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit was it wasn't like it was great about it. It wasn't supposed to look realistic, so it's like, yeah, it's just a cartoon world, and what a great job they did with it. It's like you really kind of, kind of like yeah. Cool World with with Brad Pitt. It's like the Muppets, except with like actual like cartoon characters. It like, oh, I just saw. The, I don't know. Did you guys hear about the uh, the Hollywood Bowl thing uh, that just happened with the Muppets, where they did a Muppet show live? With the real Muppets, all the people there. No, uh, no, that's this in Los awesome. Angeles. You should look it up on uh, completely different, but it's uh, talk of like that's to me way more creative than using CGI. And they recreated it live in person. You had Fozzie Bear and Kermit and all the Muppets, and they did the Muppet shows, they did the Rainbow Connection, all this stuff, and they were really there. They were really there in person, and that's they. Like, um, have you ever seen Avenue Q? Yeah, yeah, oh, it's, yeah. Like, it's it's like yeah. it, it's it's kind of it's it kind of uh, sounds like that where you actually have like the puppeteers on stage with the puppets and you know they're well, you know, as the puppets and you have real actors interacting with the puppets. Well, you know they actually have one called um, uh, Muppet Up or Puppet Up. I think it's it's and and I went to go see it with my wife. It's uh, let me ask her who did Puppet Up. Who does Puppet Up? I'm asking my wife. What? Brian. Brian Henson does it. It's actually, yeah, Brian Henson actually does, he's, he's actually like, I guess, the runner of the show. And they use the actual uh, Muppet studio, the Muppet making studio. They made actual Muppets. And it's, uh, it's an adult version. It's for the people who grew up watching them years ago and seeing them now as adults. They want adult humor and jokes a lot like Avenue Q is. Only this is actually done by Brian Henson. That's cool. And it was yeah. phenomenal. Oh, it was so funny. It, <laughs> it was great. I saw it uh, maybe three or four years ago. With my wife. That, that sounds was really fun. That's like... Uh, Check that out. And that's what... And definitely uh, look up this Muppet thing that happened this weekend. They did three nights at the I, bowl. And it, was, it was just... It was just... It blew me away. At that's awesome. What? I just told my wife she's looking it up. She's, she's wanted to work for Henson since she's a kid, so she absolutely loves it. We just went to the Henson exhibit at the at the Museum of Moving Image two weeks ago. How Amazing. is it? Oh, it was absolutely beautiful. It was so good. All the stuff there was so nice. I stood there just, I literally cried when I stood in front of David Bowie's costume from Labyrinth. I actually had tears in my eye. Like, well, that makes, like, Andy, oh, that makes two of us when the Muppets did Rainbow Connection, and it's all the Muppets on stage with the, like, in the swamp, they had a swamp set, and all the wow. Muppets are on stage singing Rainbow Connection, and I was like, wow, I'm really actually, like, crying. Yeah. And that's actually wow. happening, and I can't hide it, and it's happening, <laughs> and the Muppets are doing it to me, and they're a bunch of felt, but they can do <laughs> something that... I don't. I mean, I'm not. I'm not a crier, and no, I lost it's, it. It's no. one of those things you grew up and you watched it for so long, and it's like you're now sitting there experiencing it, and it's just. Isn't yeah. it a wild feeling? Could, could you imagine really if someone tried to put the the Muppets in like in a movie, like CGI oh instead of God. instead of like actual like there would be like physical puppets the streets. There would be like I would find, I would find out would find out with the new Dark Crystal how far they go with that one. We'll see what <laughs> they, they do. May, are they redoing it? It's no, they're doing a sequel prequel for Netflix, and it's actually Henson's daughter doing it. Oh, Lisa, yes, 
She's so it's going to be puppets. It's not going to be CG. Oh yeah, I don't know if they're using CG at all. That's what I'm saying. We'll find out. But as far as I know, it's almost entirely puppets, and it's a full dark crystal like prequel about the Skeksis and uh, oh, I forget what the the other guys' names were. The big guys. Uh, it's about them before before the whole world was just like destroyed and all that. That'll be cool. That yeah. I'm excited for that. Then if they CG, they actually were. I uh, I got the I had the fortune one summer of interning at Henson at the studio, and uh, the best thing I did I really didn't do much is I sanded Rizzo's eyeballs, and uh, Rizzo the rat, and that was that was I guess cool. <laughs> but one of the things they were doing then is working on a digital puppetry. So they it was a the puppeteer would put their hand in like this digital contraption, and it would control the the digital puppet on the screen and I got to watch him do it. And it was amazing how the exact same technique with the exact same people, but the intimacy of the puppets was gone. And I guess it didn't take off. I'm glad it didn't take off because that's not what the Muppets are. They were trying to do a hybrid and it didn't work. They thought it was going to at the time though. Exactly. That's horrifying. Like seeing Kermit, like all CGI. It's like, I don't know. That's, it's just a thought that terrifies me. Well, they're doing new Muppet Babies. I think, I'm mm-hmm. guessing. Gee. But I, I remember watching the Muppet Babies cartoon. Oh, now I've got the theme song stuck in my head. Damn it. But there's, a, there's another practical effect that I was I was thinking of that, you know, it, it, and it was, of course, something Quentin Tarantino did, so it would still be practical even if he Uh-oh. had the, the computer technology. But uh, in Reservoir Dogs, when they use... And it's more of like using the camera to your advantage than actually like creating the effect. Whenever he cut, had uh, James Martin cut the guy's ear off. Mm-hmm. Um, and how I right. just think like if that was made like today, because the reason they they pan the camera away is because he was like, we can't get this effect right. Like it just doesn't look good. So we're just gonna pan yeah. away and let the imagination take care. If it was done today, someone would have been like, oh, we can't get it done with practical. Let's just fucking CGI it. Like it'll be it'll be good. You know, it was a great part of yeah. Like, but you want to know something else too? Audiences today, audiences would look at it as a cop out. That's the other thing too. That people are so yeah. used to seeing everything. The standards are so different now. Like people don't care for artistic and weird things. Someone like I, I just put on the other day for my wife. Uh, we were watching um, uh, uh, Bond Apart, the um, the dance sequence, and she'd never uh, she'd never seen that one before. The dance sequence from the what is it? Uh, Godard, right? Godard, yes, I love yeah. Godard. He's the dance sequence in Band Apart, and she'd never seen that. Could you imagine a film, a, a, a scene just like that today? You know, no. Tarantino does little dance sequences, but not like that. And that was incredible. There's something so mesmerizing about that scene of just three people dancing in the same, like, repetitive motion for four minutes. There's something <laughs> so mesmerizing about it, but nobody would ever watch that now. 50 no. years ago, that was groundbreaking and original and incredible, and it inspired every filmmaker we can think of right now. Today, it's boring garbage. Exactly. What do you think that is? What do you think the, uh, what do you think, uh, how could we modernize that so that we're still getting, you know, doing something visually unique, visually different, visually uh, influential, not using CG and keeping the audience's attention. So adjusting to the times, but still doing something like that. What do you think, Manny? Uh, 
I honestly don't know. It's, Make the I, scene I, it, shorter. See, and no, and I hate that, man. <laughs> yeah, man. See, like that. I get so much shit about my movies. Every every review of every movie I've made, it's a little too long. It could shorten it. They get. I'm like, but it wasn't but like long. It's like I'll, I'll give it. Sometimes some of my things can be a little long. Like our first one was a slasher film, and it clocked in at two hours. Okay. Now, a slasher film should not be two hours. I've learned this now. But I tell everybody the same thing. If you can go through that movie and tell me anywhere that you can chop a half hour out of that, I will pay you and, rele- and ha- let you release it. If you can go through that film and cut out a half an hour, it's impossible. The only way to do it would be to shoot an extra half hour and make two films. <laughs> because every single scene is part of the story. Have an intermission you know? in between the first hour and the second yeah, hour. Seriously. Really, if, when we were like seventy-five percent of the way through filming, I looked at it. I'm like, "Fuck, this movie's already an hour forty, and we have four more days of shooting to go." You know, I'm like, if I had known that, if we had the extra money, I really would have written another twenty pages and shot it and just cut it into two films. Fine, you know, but sometimes the story calls for it. You know, can you cut thirty minutes out of The Shining and make that a ninety-minute film? Yes, you know. <laughs> terrible, terrible. Wow. I do too, but it's like every other Stephen King film that I've seen where it's like two and a half hours long, the first like 45 minutes, a bunch of stuff happens, and then like, you have an hour and a half of nothing happening, and then like the last half hour, just shit gets real, and it's amazing, and then the movie just ends, and you're like, why couldn't I have more of that? I mean, that's, like, it's like a Stephen King book, so... Which don't exist. <laughs> exactly. Stephen King. There's, there's no such writer as Stephen King. He's a movie producer. But that's why no Stephen one's ever King, any of his books. Stephen King, everyone forgets that Stephen King made one of my top probably three favorite movies of all time that he wrote, Shawshank Redemption. Uh, and, that's my wife's favorite, favorite movie. And that's, that's something where it's like, uh, that is a two, two and an hour and 20 minute film. And it needs to be. It's I think uh, if there ever is a perfect movie where there's not one beat, there's not one minute that misses. It's everything works in that movie. Every yeah. single thing works. And uh, Stephen King wrote it. If you read his book, it's it's part of four stories. Uh, so it's a short story, 60 pages, I think. It's word for word, like the opening. And a lot of it's word for word. A lot of the script is word for word. And so it's interesting, though, how a genre can define how long we expect a movie to be. As a po- like, that's a good point. Yeah, it changes. It's the same writer. Oh, I was, I was getting uh, Shawshank Redemption and Green Mile confused with each other. Oh, they're different dish. I mean, there's similarities. Uh, they both have. Uh, yeah, they both have people in them. Because because my initial thought was, I mean, prison, if like, I mean, if if you put Michael Clark Duncan on screen for like two hours straight, I will watch uh, that. Like, such a you know, that get CG CG Michael Clark Duncan. Uh, have you ever seen that. the uh, <laughs> the uh, what yeah. the, the broken lizard movie with Michael Clark Duncan? Um, oh, it's the fucking um, the Slam and Salmon. Where no, Michael, Michael Clark Duncan is basically like um, Mike Tyson, except he runs this. Uh, restaurant and he has all this gambling debt and, uh, so so he has the the broken lizard crew is all of his uh waiters and waitresses and he's having them like compete to to get this vacation or something um in order to pay off his gambling debt 
and he just he just he's he's it's hilarious. Never heard I'm of sold. it. I like how we've <laughs> taken this this conversation because uh, I have to sadly go in a sec, but I like how we've taken this conversation from CG to the Muppets to Michael Clark Duncan. Oh yeah, that's our free movie chat. <laughs> if, if you have to go in a second, I, I just really have to mention one one more very important. Uh, piece of uh, practical effect history and that's yeah, George, George Milliers. All right. Wow. Um, a trip to the moon and he made what was like 132 movies in like yeah. two or three years and most of them are lost to time. Yeah. Well, I My wife just got a trip to the moon tattoo on her arm. Nice. Really? really? My wife. Yeah. Well, he uh, he was uh, like the most prolific dude. Um, yeah. I have a feeling we're not going to see any more of his films, though. Yeah. He's been gone about 100 years. Yeah, I think whatever's out there is out there. I don't think anything new is going to surface. I just got to say, as far as, like, um, time period stuff, like, the effects fitting with the time period, remember when they remade Star Wars and, like, added all those unnecessary effects? And oh, now you oh, yeah. can't I mean, even how find George, the originals. How George Lucas mm. doesn't want his it's his like ex-wife to get any money from the profits. Well, George right. Lucas is a painter who can't put down the goddamn paints. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Look, everybody, mm-hmm. I made brown. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It reminds me of that South Park. You know, it's, like, it's, like, it's like, imagine you bought a George Lucas painting. One day he shows up at your house and says, hang on, hang on, I'm not done. And he just starts fiddling with shit in the corner. No, 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 no. I'm going to add something in here. <laughs> you get out of my house. <laughs> you know, every week he shows up. I got another. Let me, let me try something. I want to try something new here. Sure, <laughs> comes in. One point, one point he just starts bringing stickers and point sticking it on there. Like, yeah, great. Perfect. <laughs> That's awesome. George Lucas. George Lucas. And he was uh, known for his first movie, American Graffiti. So now he's mm-hmm. a painter. Yeah. <laughs> Comes full circle. Perfect. Perfect. Now he's a painter with bumper stickers on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mona Lisa, here. Let's let's put this bumper sticker on there. Yeah. Mona Lisa. Overrated. <laughs> I think she needs a little bit more of a smile here. We could we could use a UFO in the background. You know? <laughs> aliens in the background, CGI, yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah, her, you know? she, she, needs some, she needs some laser eyes and a new helmet. <laughs> this reminds me of that episode of South Park when they're talking about like remaking things. It's like, oh, remake um, Saving Private Ryan, except instead of guns, they have um, walkie-talkies. Walkie-talkies. They finally fixed that back. They, per- they put it back. Thankfully, Thank they God. put that back. They put Walkie. the shotguns back in in the new versions, but... We still have a CGET in the scenes. <laughs> oh, oh, wait! I just thought of something, and this is this all relates when you're talking about putting things back and removing things. It also ticks me off with amusement parks because I love Disneyland and like animatronics and stuff, and I think mm-hmm. it's the same kind of thing. Now I'm, I mean, half of the rides and half of the the things that you do, it's screens. You put on glasses and you yeah. look at screens. And I'm tired of that. As someone, I love animatronics, and I think animatronics and uh, and practical effects are the same thing. You want to see the actual thing in there. You don't want to look at a freaking screen with digital oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. Speaking of that, I was at Chuck E. Cheese recently for the first time in like 15 oh, God. years or something. Did you know that they, they know, at least the one around here, no longer has like the animatronic band 
What? That's disgusting. Like, like they, have, they have TV Jackson screens and they have an actor in a Chuck E. Cheese costume that comes out like once every hour and a half and does a little dance. And that's it. Like, like there, there is one animatronic Chuck E. Cheese, but he just stands there and looks creepy. I think it's because all the kids have played fri- have played uh, Five Nights at Freddy's, so they're afraid but I mean, it's, of it. It's <laughs> one of those things, like, when I watch a goofy movie and they go to that, like, whatever place with all the, the fucking woodland critters, like, playing oh, yeah. and sparking and, and malfunctioning. Like, that's what I remember about Chuck E. Cheese is, like, like the band, like, up there playing and moving all creepy-like. But it was also, like, mesmerizing at the same time. If you're or Krusty Burger, right? Krusty Burger, which had like the Krusty the Clown animatronic, or is it? Yeah, uh, something like that. Yeah, something like that. But yeah, they got they got it. They they messed it up with Pirates of the Well, no, Pirates of the Caribbean. They've left, but they've PC'd it. So like, there's no more auctioneer auctioning off women. I don't understand uh, yeah. what's wrong. And they have like Johnny Depp like in randomly inserted there. It's like yeah, oh, they actually on, like guys. redid like, some of the characters to look like people from the movies. Yeah, it's a little like. All right, come on. Walt Disney made this. Let's leave it alone. But yeah, it's it's it all goes back to like what I mean. Simon, our editor, just said it. She said it's like the what can you do versus what should you do. It's it's like uh, riding on in the haunted mansion ride and watching the haunted mansion movie. And you're like the one with Eddie Murphy. Yeah, the one with Eddie Murphy, where they like butchered uh, superstition. Uh, the song. You're bringing up all these things I worked on. I PA'd on that movie too. Like, you know, and it it's just, it wasn't, like it's, it it's so absolutely bad. nothing like the ride. They were just like, oh yeah, we have a ride called the Haunted Mansion. Let's uh, let's let's turn that into a movie. Well, what's it going to be about? Um, a haunted mansion. Okay, so what's the story? We don't give a shit. But we've got Eddie Murphy, so that's like yeah. good enough. Right? How about how about let's have some singing uh singing pedestals or something? Like I remember reading the script for that. Uh, I was uh, I PA'd on that film, um, long like when I was I don't know how old I was whenever it was when did that come out? Early two thousands. Yeah, so I was I think in the beginning of college, and um, uh, I thought when I read that script, this sucks. But they're about to make it and put a hundred million dollars into it. But this has nothing to do with the ride, and I love the ride. And they're making this movie, and it's about to get made, and I'm about to work on it, and they're going to pay me, so I'm going to do it for a little bit, but then I'm going to go back to college, and I'm going to tell them I quit. And I'm kind of glad I quit, because screw that movie. It sucks. Yeah. You know what's actually a really good movie, at least in my opinion, based off of a Disneyland ride or Disney World ride, is The Tower of Terror, that old made-for-TV movie with Steve Gutenberg. They're going to see yeah. It's a <laughs> they got well. Splash Mountain was reversed. It's act. There is yeah, a movie. Um, oh, the, the, all the brown animals. Tell, oh, something from the south, like Song of the so South. That's but it's it. Not, which it's, which you can't really find it because it's so ra- it's racist. But I mean, it's it is. You have to, you have to get bootleg <laughs> copies of it. Yeah, it's it's, it's charming, but it, yeah, it's, it's there's some scenes like uh, you really can't have that anymore. Well, there's there's a whole. I and I actually I I had a book and I don't know what happened to it. It was uh, Briar Rabbit and the Tar Baby. Oh my god. Um, well, he, he literally made a baby out of tar. Like, I know, but... But, yeah, it's one of those things where, like, just some of the things they say and some of the things they did, like, just it, wouldn't pass PC today. It needs to be Are you trying to plug our movie is a different thing now with the tar thing? Maybe um, that's, like, the unofficial I mean, I'm, prequel to I'm your movie. My, I'm wearing a Return of the Living Dead t-shirt, so every time I think of tar, I think of the tar man. Oh, yeah, that's, uh... That's a good uh, reference. Completely different, but a good and reference. And that's that's one of the the beauties of that movie is um, with the Tar Man. Like today, they would never do something like that. 
because it would just be CGI, but the Tar Man was an actual actor inside of a suit. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, yeah. the actor was, like, 90 pounds. He was totally skin and bones. And uh, you know, even Alien was an actor too. Right? Even the Alien—that's an actor in that costume. The dude is six foot seven and ninety pounds. Oh my god! You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah seriously. Crazy. Like, if, if you've ever seen some of the behind the scenes of Alien of him just walking around the set and and when he was testing it, it's it's so goddamn creepy watching him walk around in this costume. It's amazing. It looks amazing too. He's a really tall black dude. He's like six seven or six eight and skinny as hell. Ah, and it looks skinny man. Yes, yes, really skinny guy. So there's like scenes because you know they put the costumes on and they have they're kind of stuck in it. So there's scenes of him. There's pictures of him like on lunch, just sitting on the side with the sandwich in his hand in the alien costume, no mask. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Yeah. You know, <laughs> um, Aaron, since you have to get going pretty soon, um, you want to just, uh, plug in, plug your uh, movie and your company and all that, or yeah, dude, shameless plugs are awesome. Oh yeah, that's what we're all uh, about here. So this is really fun, and I could do this if I didn't have to uh, yeah, well, get back to. I would, uh, I could do this for hours, and, and man, it's great meeting you, and uh, I look forward to seeing your new work. And what we're up to is we are uh, Howling Wolf Productions. I'm the Aaron Wolf on all social media. We actually, we talked about, um, uh, the Muppets. And I think like one of my most popular tweets ever is from this weekend. I put up a video of the Muppets and I, something like 40 or 50,000 people watched the video in like wow. 12 hours. Nice. Um, so if you want to go see some of the Muppets thing I was talking <laughs> about, just go to my Twitter, the Aaron Wolf. And I, there's, I put up a bunch of stuff cause I loved it so much and, wow. uh, working on, um, we're Howling Wolf Productions. We have a bunch of movies. We have one that's uh, having a platform release right now. I'm showing it in Austin this weekend called Restoring Tomorrow. And then we made a uh, amazingly fun adventure horror movie that is funny and fun and crazy. And it's all about the La Brea Tar Pits in Los Angeles. And uh, it's got practical effects. And it's a about a, um, a prehistoric creature that is awoken by the the man building the L.A. subway system, and it comes out and attacks the city of Los Angeles. It attacks a family, and uh, I'm in it, and uh, my dad is played by a, a great, amazing actor named Timothy Bottoms, who's uh, Oscar-nominated and has been in a lot of uh, a lot of movies I loved, uh, and Manny, I'm guessing, some movies you like, too. And then I, I know the name. I can't place the face right now, but I know... I, I, like, oh God, I'm trying to figure out who, who that is. He's uh, one of his best movies. Well, his most famous movie maybe is uh, The Last Picture Show. But then uh, Paper Chase was a great one. More recently, he did Girl Next Door. And then we okay. also have Graham Greene in our film, uh, who is also fantastic. And we mentioned a bunch of his movies today, like Green Mile and Die Hard 3. And nice. uh, So, uh, yeah, really excited about Tar. Uh, be looking for it. I think it's Tar the Movie on all social media, and we're updating fans. We have a graphic novel coming out oh. around the film with Action Lab Comics. I think there's some info about that. We did Comic-Con on the, with the film already, so uh, we haven't shown the movie, nice. but we showed a hint. So yeah, you, your fans and your uh, your listeners can look up Tar the Movie, look up The Aaron Wolf, and we're, uh, we're, we're coming along with this, uh, this whole new world. And again, what I always say in many, I'm, I, I'm guessing you would echo the same sentiment is I'm pretty sick of retreads and rehashes. And I like new ideas and mm-hmm. 
Um, whether you like things or don't like things, to have a new idea in a new world is pretty exciting, and we're bringing that with Tar. Definitely looking forward to that. And uh, Manny, you want to um, you want to plug your um, your studio and movie? Or? Sure, sure. Uh, well, you can find us where uh, we're masquerapictures.com. Find all of our stuff there. Uh, we have our first film, the two-hour slasher film, is uh, Blood Slaughter Massacre. Uh, you can get that on Amazon. Uh, we have our second featurette, which is a 50s sci-fi, like Ed Wood directing Night of the Living Dead style. Uh, it's called Attack of the Brain People, and that's on Vimeo. It's a romantic uh, comedy, uh, right? Oh yeah! Oh, actually, there's a there there is a romance in there. There is, <laughs> there is. No, it's it's actually about a a, a couple on a, on a picnic and a they hear a crash in the woods and next thing they know they're kidnapped by the G men and there's some weird aliens that take his girlfriend and put a they suck her brain out of her head and he, him and his friends have to save the town. Just another Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, but our newest one is called Theta States, which we're doing festivals with right now. I'm in the beginnings of getting a, of working with a sales agent on that. So hopefully that'll be coming out soon, but I'm working on deliverables for that. We have our New England premiere at the uh, Sean O'Shea Film Festival in a month on October 5th. That is, we'll be playing the opening film for the festival. It's in Southbridge, Massachusetts. And we'll be there for that. Yeah, we'll be there for that weekend. That one is a kind of sci-fi horror psychological um, that somewhere along the lines of uh, like it, it's, it's kind of like My Altered States, my Ken Russell tribute. Because Altered States is like top five movies of all time for me. Um, yeah, we did that with uh, with Tom Ryan, who's uh, who did uh, another indie film Faces, and uh, Misty Monday, who's incredible to work with. She was so awesome. Oh, yeah. I'm sold. Yeah, so we were that, yeah. we sold in that one. <laughs> yeah, mentioned Aaron Brown. Yeah, we're there. Was, <laughs> yep, there you go. Then <laughs> someone we she she was amazing. I got a run, guys. This is for fun. And Manny, uh, congrats on. I can't wait to see your work. And uh, it's really. And I'm. I would love to come on again. It's been a lot of fun talking to you guys. Oh, definitely. We'll send you a list of our um, of our future chats. And hey, if you have one that you'd like to discuss, definitely email us or whatever. Yeah, dude. I'll talk about anything. This is fun. I love talking to you guys. Nice meeting you, Manny. And Aaron, do you you know who's, who's working on your comic over at Action Labs? Sean, Sean Gibbons, and, or Gibbons. Yeah, yeah. We we met yeah. him at uh, when we were at Horror Realm. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, he had a table right next to us. Oh, he he was really cool. Really, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's great. He's doing it, and he does uh, the Puppet Master ones for them. Yep, he does the Puppet Master, and now he's doing the Tar. And he's uh, Sean is. Um, yeah, we've had a great time. We're developing the whole story. It's going to be the the first four comics are going to be a prequel to the movie, and I. I, they're gonna. I don't know when they're launching, but it should be soon because they've been working on them for a while, and Sean's been digging in to make this awesome. Sounds good. So there you go. That's yeah, exactly. So the uh, Action Lab's a great, great company. They're one of the top ten comic companies, and I'm really thrilled to be working with them on Tar. Nice, congratulations. So, nice Thanks, man. On Aaron. Good great being on. Uh, we'll talk. Let's do it up again soon, guys. Definitely. You have a great night. All right. You too. Bye. Manny, you're still in? Yeah, I'm still here. Awesome. Yeah, we, we can continue or whatever. I just want to um, figure 
both of you guys plugging it to hear each other's stuff. So, but yeah. that's cool. Starting that's cool. Of, yeah. Um, yeah. If we have anything um, else to bring up about CGI versus practical stuff, like um, I'm all ears. Uh, I was actually two days ago, uh, Saturday, Saturday, Sunday. Yes. So Sunday. I don't know what the fucking day it was. I don't know. Sunday, Monday. Everything's starting to blend into one day. I watched the. Yeah, I just watched the um, You're So Cool, Brewster, the um, Making a Fright Night. <laughs> and the, oh, my God. I, I mean, you talk about practical effects, the shit they did in that movie. And some of the stuff for that in that film, that's why I wanted to see the behind the scenes real bad. Because when we started working on Theta States, uh, a lot of the shots in that in Flight Night, I gave as reference uh, to my effects artists, and I said, I want something like this, I want this type of thing. You know, not to look like that, but this is the style of effect, you know. Um, when we see when we see the Banshee in, in Theta States, I wanted that, that look that Amanda Burst has at the end with that big mouth and the huge teeth, and I wanted something similar to that with it, you know, and it was... Wow, watching how they put all those things together and the way that they just, what was it? Uh, 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 his, the, the vampire in the end, when he becomes like the real, like the evil full incarnation, yeah. it was eight hours a day. That was eight hour day. He, had, he said he was talking about how he, he got into the makeup chair at 4 a.m. He sat there till 12. Then they shot for eight hours. And then he'd be back the next day at 4 a.m. Uh, Evil Ed's werewolf transformation was an 18-hour makeup job. Mm-hmm. 18 hours for them to put him in that costume and everything just to, you know. And it's like, you know, I understand why they say they don't why so many productions lean towards CG versus practical because you're talking like 18 hours. That's an entire day that you're paying an actor and an entire crew of people to literally stand in a room and stipple makeup onto someone for 18 hours, you know? And then when you get to set, it could fall apart or the blood doesn't go off or something happens a little too soon or it happens too late or, or you missed the shot on the makeup or, you know, yeah. patch didn't stick down. Right. Precisely. It could be hours to fix that. So I understand why they say, why they'd rather do the CG because at one point they were talking about how it's cheaper and it's faster and it's easier. But at the point they're at right now, you watch movies now, you're looking at something like the Avengers is still costing $200 million. Yeah. And 90% of the movie is done in CG in front of a blue screen. Where the hell is all this money going if CG is supposed to be cheaper? The majority goes to the the, to the build actors and actresses oh. in the films. It's ridiculous. Uh, yes and no. Yes and no. I mean, you're talking maybe 30, 30% of the, of, of the budget is going to the actors. You know, 20 to 30% tops. But it's probably going yeah. to advertising into all that stuff, too. So that's not no, they don't that's actually not factored into their budgets the, oh, the what they put into what they put into marketing is is after oh, so that two million dollars is not part of the the uh, the marketing budget usually the marketing budget is like almost the same as the movie so you're talking a 150 million dollar movie there's at least a hundred million dollars of marketing put into it 
Shoot, somebody's you know? gotta be pocketing some of this stuff. Like, I mean, well, like I said, and, where is and that going? Problem. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Where is money going? If you're if you're really putting pumping all this money into it, and you're saying that this is cheaper, this is cheaper, this is cheaper. Well, then where the hell is it going? What would the what would the Avengers actually cost? If you did it all practical, you're talking about a billion dollar film. Then you, you, you talk if, to if uh, this is supposed to be cheaper. Well, no, no <laughs> you, you talk to Roger Corman, and you could probably do the movie for about four hundred fifty dollars and thirty two cents. Yeah, but then it looks like Vampirella. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, okay I still prefer. Why, why I love Vampirella? I, I why I love Vampirella? Vampirella's not pulling in a billion dollars. His, his in, version in, in of uh, the Fantastic Four to any of the actual theatrical releases. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. Mentioning, like, I'm not going to argue that because those Fantastic Four movies are absolutely atrocious. Exactly. Oh my God, are they ever? I got to say, um, one practical effect I just got to mention because that I think is really underrated is, um, have you both seen the movie Martin? Yes. You know, at the yes. end when they like, um, he gets um, spoiler when he gets like staked in the heart and like the blood and everything. It's such like an underrated effect, and that's one of the. Re- I think that movie killed all CGI blood for me because it was, it was so well done, and for, and it was so simple, but it was like perfect. And well, I, it was, it was I Tom Savini's early days as a makeup and special effects artist. Oh yeah, before he started. When he was a makeup and special effects artist when he actually was. He's not anymore. <laughs> he just takes the credit. Yeah, now he's just a. Prick. Now he signs auto- autographs and like. Yeah. No, he he gets signed on for movies, and then he uses people from his uh, from his from the, the Savini school. They do all the work, and then he gets credit as makeup supervisor. Yeah, yeah that's how he does it now. <laughs> yep, I've, I've heard about people from his school, and I've not actually heard or seen anything good from people that came out of his school. Uh, toe tag pictures. Yeah, we met that guy. I've yeah, seen so any of this stuff, but yeah, August Underground. They are, yeah, they are graduates of the Savini School. Hmm. All of them. There you go. So, yeah, I, I know, I know a couple of people who've gone there, and I'm not going to take anything away from them. They do teach you very well. They teach them the old school. They teach them the new school. They even teach them how to work the new school effects in with CG. There's, you know, they teach them how to do that. They teach them how to do the animatronics and how to make it because there's going to be CG on top of it. So this is how you're going to make it in order to allow for the CG if they want to do this. They want to, they want to have a full, full animatronic body, but a, but a uh, CG animated face. They'll teach them how to do that. So the school is no joke. They, they do teach them properly. Well, so I'll I'm give it that. To finally hear like something good about it. Like I've heard they do really good work. Um, I, I actually hadn't heard much about it except um, I, we know one guy who said that they, they all work very slow and they're very like practical, but it's like when when you have to like I guess well, part when you of it's give like them the, a deadline they yeah, just can't part of it's deal. like the movie industry and everything it's like everything's so fast paced it's like okay like makeup tends to take were, time so there were couple, I, I gotta give them that there were a couple graduates on the show face off over the years and every mm-hmm. one of them like got show. eliminated very early on well those shows are set up yeah. Those shows are all set up before the show even begins. The winner is chosen. Um, I know somebody who was a finalist. Yeah, seriously. I know somebody who was a finalist, and he was going to be on the show. And um, 
before they started shooting, he could tell who the winner was going to be. I think this was for season three or four or something like that. But he knew. He said, all right, they're grooming this person to be the winner. So he has his, he has a conversation with the producers, and he says, so I was telling them that I, I can't do this because um, – I think there are six or eight weeks that they that they do the show for, and they're completely secluded. They're not allowed to call their family. They're not allowed to talk to people at home. They can't make phone calls. They can't leave their houses. They can't do anything. They're totally secluded in this place because any contact they have with the outside world could somehow affect, you know, the show Spoilers. in the future. Yes, exactly. So he's he was looking at it and he's like, well, wait a minute. These people are obviously going to win. What the hell? I can't do this. He's like, I, I, I got a, I got a six-month-old kid at home, and I just got married. I can't leave them for six or eight weeks or something if I'm not even going to get close to. If I don't have a chance of winning this, like my wife is going to be home taking care of our kid. She's got to get back to work. If she's going to, you know, be home, she's going to make this sacrifice. I need to be able to have a chance to win. So he, he quit because he's like, I, I could already tell who's going to win the show. Hey, good Before, for him. That's a very respectful decision. Yeah, and I mean, it, it, it kind of sucked because, I mean, the truth is, if he was on the show, even if he was eliminated two or, three, two or three episodes in, his business would still go up. But he's like, I, I can't leave my family Yeah, for, for, for a while, for something that I don't even have a chance of winning. He's like, I'm not even going to be in the top five. I can tell that right now because he said he could tell that they were grooming certain, uh, um, certain artists. They were... Uh, um, what's the word? They were uh, uh, coaching them on their performance to perform for the camera, and they give them certain clothes to walk, to wear, and they give them a certain character that they're going to play, and they start telling them who they're going to have their spats with. They do the same thing in E-Master too. Oh, they yeah. tell them, they tell them what they have to wear and who they're going to fight with, and you know what they're going to be doing. It's ridiculous. The whole thing. I mean, this is far from reality. It's totally scripted. And so a lot of those people are extremely talented, but they don't have the personality that's going to get them to the end because the personality is what sells. That's what sells viewers, you know? That's the thing. They spend, like, millions of dollars to kind of figure out, like, how can we, like, micro-size this, like, personality for this character in this one? It's like, none of it's real. None, none of it's, like... Yeah. Yeah, I, I always wondered how some of those people that have, like, horrible work, but, like, are in all the drama and, like, have these big personalities make it so far into the show. And, and now, now I understand. Sorry yeah. to break your... It uh, doesn't matter if they suck. Your dreams... <laughs> Well, that's the thing. None of them really suck. None of them suck. They're all, I mean, to get to that point, they got to that point based on their portfolio alone. You know, they looked at their work, and that's what got them in the door in the first place. So none of them are bad artists. It's just, there's another part of it where it's like, uh, it's, it's a matter of, at the end of the day, when there's one of their people who are trying to get to the end and their stuff isn't looking good, you know, they have assistants who come in at the end of the day to help them clean up their molds. Everybody has assistants that show up at the end of the day. <laughs> and they clean stuff up and they make things look better and they fix it and they prep it. And they, because a lot of this stuff, they got 12 hours to do it. You can't do that shit in 12 hours. You can't do it. It's physically impossible. It's not going to cure in that amount of time. 
Like it physically can't be done. You're breaking the laws of physics for some of the things that they're doing, you know? And, 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 and if you're a lab person, if you're an effects lab person, you watch the show and say, there's no way in hell that, okay, well, her mold broke this morning and she's got to do this thing today. There's no way she did that new mold today for the showcase today. It's physically impossible. You know, so where did they get it from? It came from somewhere. There was obviously a second mold done, or there was an entire team working on it. And they used it's like when you watch those know? old cooking shows, and they're like, this is what you do. We're just going to send all the ingredients aside, and we're going to pull it out of the oven right now. And, oh, here's, yes, here's exactly. a done version. There's a second mold in exactly. the grassy knoll. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. You know, and I'm not saying that I'm not saying that this is the truth for everything on the show, you know, but it is an option. It, it is. It has been done in the past uh, where people are, you know, they're coached and well, this guy is supposed to win, but this is kind of bad. Let's give him a little extra hand here when everybody's not around, you know, and, and, and even on the last season of Ink Master, you saw that one of the guys quit in the middle of the season. And you saw he was complaining about, oh, you know, I can't talk to my family, and I haven't heard, I got a newborn kid at home, and I can't talk to them, and I don't know what's going on, I can't be away from my family for this long, the show is bullshit, I can't do this, and everybody's like, well, wait a minute, what's the stress, why are you so stressed, just, you know, just work. But the truth is, behind the scenes, is the fact that he already knows he's not going to win the show. He already knows he's not winning, so he's like, I, 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 all this bullshit I'm going through, I'm getting, I'm getting my tattoos torn apart every single week. You know, I'm being put to the bottom every week for the good work that I'm doing. I'm getting torn apart and being knocked down for this, for a show that I'm not even going to win, and I can't even talk to my family at the end of the day. Fuck this, I've had enough, I'm out of here. Exactly. He's like, I don't need shit. Yeah. I, no? I mean, I don't have a lot of experience with like any of that stuff, but I look at some like most of it, I'm like, well... It's a lot better than I can do. I mean, like... Oh, oh yes. <laughs> oh, it is. The stuff is amazing. The stuff that they do. I don't know, I'm not taking anything away from any of those people. I'm talking about the producers of the show. Oh, yeah. Producers <laughs> are like... They're like lawyers. Yeah. They're bad people. <laughs> yeah. The proof, the proof in, the proof in, in uh, Face Off is the fact that who's the lead? Who's the lead effects artist on that show? Glenn Hetrick. What's his fucking claim to fame? He's Lady Gaga's Lady personal... Gaga. <laughs> That's his claim to fame. Who, what the fuck has he done? He's sitting there next to V. Neal, and uh, I forget the other guy's name. These people I have I miss done. the French guy. The French guy was my favorite. Yes. These people have worked on Lord of the Rings, and they've worked on Avatar. They've done all these huge movies, and this fucking tool, this fucking tool is sitting here, and he's the head of the show. Why? Because he's got the personality that sells. Yeah, as, as my wife always always goes, oh, he he looks like a hobo, but yet he's this great, you know, supposedly great costume designer and makeup artist and this and that. <laughs> and that's the thing with like um with I, even with like CGI, it's it's all marketing. It's all like, well, you know, you and see, we spent this much money, and you know, we're really making the Avengers or you know, Guardians of the Galaxy seem realistic. It's like. Yeah, but I've seen, it's like, at some point, it's, it just seems like they're just kind of throwing money in our face, being like, look at this, look at all my yeah, It looks fancy and shiny and explosions. <laughs> we polished it up nice and pretty like, for I you. Swear, I swear, enjoy. Michael Bay must be behind the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like, he really has to be. Just see Josh Whedon, like, take off his mask, like, I was Michael Bay the whole time. I could have gotten away with it, too, if it weren't for you meddling kids. <laughs> 
right? Now, 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 that, now, since they fired him, fine, I'll go do it over at DC and blow stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, man, uh, that, that fright back to Fright Night. That is a perfect example of the of the original in camera effects. And then you go watch the Fright Night remake, and it's night and day. It's night and day. And I mean, they have some... and uh, Christopher Mintz Platts. Uh, I'm just always one... so satisfied when Christopher Mintz Platts gets killed in that movie. Like. <laughs> Just because I'm, you know, I'm not a fan of Super Bad and all the McLovin stuff. No, neither am I. I can't stand it. You know, but like Colin Farrell, he's actually a really good actor. He just gets put in one shitty movie after another. <laughs> you know, like Minority Port was really good, and he was good in it. You know, he's a really good actor. He just gets shitty movies. The Total Recall remake is another one. Not a terrible film, but nowhere near as good as the original. Well, see, I love I love Phone Booth. Phone booth, phone like booth that movie. phenomenal. It, it, oh, one of those it was, it, you know, talk about practical effects. Their their yep. whole effects was a laser pointer. That's it, yep. a fucking laser pointer. Like that's all we need, oh. and we're good. You know, guys, a great. He carried a whole movie standing on a, on the telephone, like just him and Kiefer Sutherland, and that's all you need for a good movie. Don't leave out <laughs> Forrest Whitaker now. Oh, Forrest Whitaker! Come on, I watched I watched Panic Room the other day. Another one with him. Uh, oh, oh man, a phenomenal, Forrest. lovely, beautiful movie. Yes, yes, I, I love it. I, you know, but the truth is, you need any any one actor and Kiefer Sutherland, and you have a hit, <laughs> and that's it. The man can do anything. You know, like, have like you, the have Lost you... Boys. Yes, exactly. The Lost Boys. I just watched Flatliners the other day again. Oh. One of my favorite films. Also, I'm actually looking forward to the new one. You know, it's it's not. It's supposed to be a sequel too. It's a sequel because Kiefer Sutherland's in it. No, oh. they're just not advertising. Is he making it. back? No, but Kiefer Sutherland is playing the same character. He's playing Nelson again. So it is. It is kind of a continuation. He's probably going to be the soothsayer and be like, "No, I'm telling you, kids, don't play with death." You know, you're all doomed. <laughs> doomed, I tell you. <laughs> Bad, you know, but I'm sure it's going to be loaded with CG, and it's going to be all flashy, you know, bright lights and 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 lens flares, and you know, while I'm interested in seeing it because Flatliners is one of those where I, I knew they were going to remake it one day, and I was just hoping that my career would be at a point where like I could be in the running to remake it because I've always wanted to. You know, I, I love that sci-fi horror genre. I love that stuff. You know, so I'm like, maybe one day I'll be able to remake Flatliners, and they've already done it, so <sighs> kill my dreams, but. <laughs> well, if it, <laughs> but if that it just bombs, they'll, they'll want to make it, they'll want to remake it again. Yeah, you know, another five years, of, I got five more years before before they say, hey, let's do it again. <laughs> you like Spider-Man or <laughs> like. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> or, or, or maybe another Fantastic Four, you know, you never know. Hey, I'm you know still what? hoping that um, the new Fantastic Four movie will be directed by Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> I've got my fingers crossed. God, that guy! Talk about failing upward. Jesus. <laughs> he could be. He oh, could yeah. be all four Fantastic Four members and Doctor Doom. And he would, and he totally would do it. <laughs> uh, it would be better than the last one that came out. <laughs> like, Susan, you need to go invisible. You are the invisible woman. <laughs> You're tearing me uh, apart, Doctor. <laughs> 
<laughs> Blame on. It's clobbering time. Yeah, and you would just CG him into every scene. That's it. That's what, that's what you need to do. They're just going to do a 3D scan of Tommy Wiseau and just put him in every character and just do the whole movie. Well, talking about being in every character, what about Eddie Murphy in The Nutty Professor? Well, see? You know, but Eddie Murphy's an actor. Eddie Murphy is talent. You know? He's comedic. He was comedic. Until he talent. became Donkey. And then, yeah. and then he was Donkey from there on. Like, there was no more Eddie Murphy. It was just Donkey. It's kind of he like um, Michael Myers in the Austin Powers movies. So he's like six different characters or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. They all have kids, and they all decide that they can't make movies that their kids can't watch. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much what Eddie Murphy came up with. Like, he, he didn't want his kids watching his old movies. And, well, if I'm going to make new movies and they can't watch them, that's why Beverly Hills Cop was the three was, was good. But it wasn't as adult as the first two. It's like, hey, Dad, what are you doing? Nothing. That's why his... Uh, Working on a movie. <laughs> the weapon he had in that was a fucking cannon, machine gun, flamethrower, microwave oven, portable TV, radio, <laughs> uh, foot massager. Oh, my God. It, we will have a ridiculous weapons or weapons in filmmaking chat, and that will be one of the things we have we talk about. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's totally. <laughs> I can't remember what it's called. I just remember it was made by Serge. Like, Serge. Serge. <laughs> Serge. All right, Serge. Sorry. print show is the best, though. <laughs> but uh, any any final comments on uh, on CGI versus practical? Other than you know, I think we've all agreed that practical is is much more pleasing to the eyes when done correctly. Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to, my, uh, my thoughts, oh, it usually goes toward the indie film, you know, because Hollywood's going to do what Hollywood's going to do. And there's nothing you can do to stop them. Let them fuck that. You know, uh, in my opinion, indie film is where you can really show what CG can and cannot do. You know, uh, when it comes to like low budget films and stuff, like I mean, I've used CG in our new movie in some of our scenes just to enhance them. You know, uh, and I think that's where CG, especially in the horror films, it has to be limited to an enhancement. You know, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street is a perfect example, and Freddy and um, Freddy vs Jason is a perfect example of how the CG can just get way out of control and ruin something entirely. You know, even um, uh, what was the what was that other one? Oh, the Wolfman with with um, Benicio del Toro. You know that movie? They had like I think they had a dozen animatronic werewolves for all the different scenes, and it was totally shot in camera. They did everything, and then they CG'd over all of it and just ruined it. Oh, that's yep. terrible. They shot the whole thing in camera. It was all practical werewolf effects, and then they cut it all out and, and created a CG werewolf because they felt the worst. Wolfman. That's what they did, and I think Anthony Hopkins might have been ripping his hair or whatever hair he had left out after that. My God, what atrocity! I have heard that the director's cut is better though, and I haven't seen it yet, but. Yes, that that's a perfect example of how it can get out of control. So, uh, I think it has to be used sparingly, you know. And it has to be used to enhance a scene, and no CG blood never looks good. 
Exactly. Thank you. Unless, unless you're Peter Jackson. Unless you're Peter Jackson, CG blood never looks good. Because, honestly, Lord of the Rings looked amazing. All right? I'm sorry. That's I'll I'll give that the I'll give that the actual good CGI award. Yes, yes, I'll give it that. You know, Lord of the Rings, Jurassic Park, and and original Independence Day. These looked amazing. The CG in those movies looked great because they did it right. I'd actually forgotten you know, there's a CGI uh, blood. It's, it, and again, it's all about the color palette. Yeah, that's yeah, specific part. Exactly. Well, I hate when they have like exactly. that splatter effect. It's like, okay, that that gravity doesn't work that way. Like, uh, what was it that I just saw that did it? Oh man, I just saw a movie the other day where it's all practical. It's all practical, and there's one or two shots of somebody just getting their head blown off, and it's CG, and it's like, fuck that. You killed the whole thing. Like this was so cool. All this practical effects and oh, Alien was was Alien the Alien Covenant. Yeah. I love. Oh, I really love when you when you say like people getting blown apart and stuff is just dread. The new version yeah. of dread. I love that movie. Oh my god, that movie is incredible. And how they used slow mo oh to actually like put slow motion into the film, like for a ra- for an actual reason, like. That- Oh my God! That I movie believe, has to be one. I believe they are a sequel to Dread. They're supposed to be doing a. They've been trying to get a sequel done. Um, now, now they're trying to pitch a TV series, and Carl Urban is totally interested in doing it. It's just going to be a matter of time and who picks it up. But the team is really trying. If you if you look around, you can actually about a month ago they just released their. Um, their sketches of what they want Mega City to look like, and the things that they're pitching to companies for what they want the look to be, you know, and it looks great. Beautiful. It looks great. So hopefully, hopefully they do it well. Hopefully, Carl Urban comes back on, and you know they give a get to somebody like even, like, I mean, you say Netflix and HBO, but even right now, if you've seen Blood Drive, Sci-Fi could do it now. Have you seen Blood Drive on Sci-Fi? Nope, not yet. This show is phenomenal. It is amazing. Uh, that's another one. There's a good. There's a mixture of practical and CG in it. Um, simply because, but but this show is pushing every single limit of what you can get away with on TV. I mean, there's full cursing. There's uh, blackboard nudity. And it is as gory as TV is going to get. Unfortunately, they they just finished the first season. Supposed to be going to Netflix like in within the month, and they already canceled for season two. I'm telling you, watch this show. It is it's Death Race crossed with like the original Death Race crossed with uh, done Grindhouse style. And I do remember seeing like the commercials and stuff for it. Now that you say that, yeah. Yes, it's it's the it's one of the best shows on TV right now. I can't believe they canceled it. I think they canceled it simply because they pushed too many limits. They just, you know, but check it out. Definitely check it out and see the amount of blood in this show. I mean, the the cars run on human blood. (laughs) That's that's what it is. Like the race, all the cars have blood engines, so they actually have to feed people into the engine. I have a, I have a movie problems. from the early 2000s called Blood Car, and that's actually like oh, the yes. plot of the movie, where it's like this kindergarten Is teacher it? or something, he's trying to create a car that runs off of um, some kind of grass, 
Um, but it ends up like the engine works off of blood instead of chlorophyll. So he just starts kind of like throwing people in the trunk of the car and the car eats them and <laughs> turns them into fuel. It's it's so horrible and I love it. This reminds me of that episode of The Regular oh. Show where they're watching this crappy movie about a taxi cab that like eats people. It was pretty amazing. <laughs> right. Deathbed, the bed that eats. Ah, that one. Yeah, stuff like that, and that's and that's what this is. This is over the top, gory as hell, straight old school grindhouse death race. Fucking Roger Corman is probably looking at this, going, "This is amazing. I love this. We need more TV like this." You know, <laughs> Paul. Any closing comments? Um, no, actually, uh, Manny's comment pretty much sums it up. It's like CGI. I'm glad I'm living in an age that has CGI. I just think it should be used more as a background to maybe embellish things, but not as all the effects. It's definitely overdone. And nowadays when I see a movie that's high-end CGI, I don't even want to see it. I, no. I instantly like, I instantly just don't want to even check it out. Well, I don't have anything else to add except uh, until next time, friends, be brave, be alive, and be back for more.